I'm so glad you've joined us. My name is Sharon Feckety, the host of the Broken Road to Mental Health podcast. So we are all on this broken road together, everybody. We are under construction and we're going to go through this together. One of the reasons I decided to create this podcast was because the only way to normalize this conversation about mental health is continue to have it. So you will be hearing from some very special people on this podcast, people that have lost loved ones to suicide or overdose, uh, mental health professionals, people that are trudging the road through recovery right now as we speak, people that are on the other side and offering tips to all of us that are still under construction. Thank you for joining us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Broken Road to Mental Health show podcast extraordinaire. I am your host, Sharon Feckety, and I am very happy to um, bring on a new friend, another friend I met in Clubhouse. So who knew that this app was going to be so wonderful to connect with so many people that are speaking the language of mental health. And um, today, all the way from a bit outside of London, shall we say, I've brought Stuart Mace to join us, who is an ambassador for a company called Circle Line, which we are going to dive into a little bit. Welcome to the show, Stuart. Thank you for having me, Sharon. And nice to meet you on Clubhouse. So Stuart got to hear me go on and on, on um, TJ's show. What is the name of that show, Stuart? Is there the name of the show or is it just TJ? It's TJ Power. Um, TJ there- Power. They're, oh look, Clubhouse have changed their um, their app logo. Yes, they changed their person. Yeah. Yeah, just today. Yeah. And the only um, reason I know that is because I followed the last person on Instagram. There you go. It's a mental health. Um, what's he called? Let's have a look. Um, we want to give TJ some love, so we're let, looking let, for let, it. Yeah, let's talk about improving mental health. There you go. So he had me on and um, I was sharing about my adolescence of how I had, you know, acne and, and chubbiness that, and oh, Stuart said it's the funniest thing. And he apologized to me before, which I find adorable, but no apologies needed. He was talking about me being spotty and fat. And it made me laugh so hard because that, of course, with my family being from Ireland and London, just sounded like a long lost family member had found me on Clubhouse. There you go. <laughs> no holes barred, no filters, hey. There's no filters, no filters here. <laughs> so Stuart, tell me a little bit about um, you, a little bit about you and what has brought you into this world of discussions regarding mental health. Sure, thanks for the opportunity to, to talk about it. I think the more um, one can say about it, the, the better. And I think the pandemic has helped that with uh, with people being a bit more open. Um, my um, introduction, I guess, to this is probably come from about, come about my, my wife trying to kill herself. Mm. Um, thankfully that was not successful, um, but I see my life in almost two, um, two dimensional from a point of view of there's before and, there, and there's after. Mm. Um, and the story before that, you know, relates to, to a lot of things, predominantly childhood, upbringing and, and what have you. Um, that intertwines with my life when we met very early on. Um, 
And where that brings us to sort of present day is I was let go from a pretty decent corporate role um, within recruitment. Um, and from there on in, not because of that, but from there on in, there was a slow decline, sorry, a rapid decline, shall we say, in um, the mental health of, of my wife, which led to um, her being admitted to a psychiatric hospital and whilst in hospital trying to take her life while she was on the phone to me on loudspeaker. Well, I want so, to interrupt and at least um, um, offer how happy I am to hear that she is okay today because yes. that is um, understanding myself being a suicidal young lady, um, a tremendous amount of pain, not only of course for her to endure, but you yourself. So I wanted to sure. just honor that space and tell you how happy I am that she is still with us right now. Same, same here. Yeah. Same here. And I wake up every morning um, and I'm grateful, grateful for the fact mm -hmm. that uh, she's still there. Um, still there. She's still, she's still part of my life. Let's put it that way. She's been part of my life. I worked it out for more than two thirds of my life. Wow. Um, yeah. We met yeah. when we were quite young. Um, and yeah, so, so that, that is where I think my, um, passion as we were talking about for mental awareness and, and mental wellness um comes uh, comes from um and my work with uh, the circle line allows me to offer that help um to to others uh, looking at influencing others to um not be in the situation that i was in or at least be aware and see signals signposts or whatever um whatever you want to call it red flares <laughs> um mm -hmm to to be able to help that other you know tell that other person with regards to what is going on being that soundboard soundboard or even being able to show some sort of um you know some sort of uh, empathy mm. so tell us about a little bit about i know that you um you went and got certified to be a mental health first aid i have the same certification um yes which is wonderful. So all of this led you to go down the path of this is, this is where I belong. You know, sometimes we don't know it. Of course, when you got let go of your corporate job, you weren't like, yes, now I'm going to go on a mission for mental health. It wasn't yeah. like that. I'm sure, you know, and usually um, any type of spiritual awakening doesn't look like, um, you know, Buddha hanging out in the Rose garden. It usually looks like we've been trampled by a few, um, I don't know, lions or something doesn't always look great, but it has led you to take on this more serious path of, of how can we help yes, um, yes. in, in the workforce in, in corporate, because um, certainly you and I both know coming from that world that yeah. there isn't a lot of great um, conversation surrounding that when we need it most. Yeah, agreed. And, and, you know, I look back on my time and my last opportunity, um, and, and actually it wasn't good, you know, and I, and, and at the time I didn't realize it. My, I, I think for, you know, for credit with credit due, I think my mom recognized that in me. Um, and I noticed confidence draining. I was belittled. Um, I was shamed. I didn't realize it at the time. Um, and it wasn't until afterwards and several months, if not almost half a year afterwards, Sharon, that I really decided I'm going to look at what happened, um, how that made me feel and me be comfortable with it um and 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 you know have it in my conscious and and really really deal with it the the departure from my place of work to my wife going into hospital was five weeks 
Um, And in between that time, there was, you know, Stewie, we're going to ask you to leave a business and this is how much you're going to get, which, you know, you kind of look at and go, well, okay, is that, is that all in a sense? But then the UK went into a lockdown Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's um, everything kind of, you know, spiraled from there. Um, There was also an occasion, there's also occasions where, you know, I looked at going back into recruitment, which was what I was doing, um, which would have been comfortable. Um, It still ticked a lot of boxes for me from a point of view of a purpose. Um, But my wife got herself into a position where she was, we thought, was well enough to go back from to go back to work, which would have been working from home. but in the five to six months where she did work, there was a deterioration in, in her mental health. Um, and it isn't necessarily to do with her place of work, but it was it was a factor. And throughout that time, I was considering, what is it do I want to do? I didn't really want to go back into recruitment. I've done it for 17 years. And I remember writing it down. And, and you know, one thing I wrote down was, where's the challenge um, to, to do that? um it could have been you know as i say it was comfortable i could go in and command a salary and we could you know we you know we could go back to uh, where we left off but purpose for me was was quite key and it didn't really serve me so that's when i started looking at what's available the mental health first aid course was something which i was interested in Mm -hmm. um and, and and took that and met some some great people but then i still took that a little bit further um i've recently completed and passed a um a course which is mental um it's a workplace sorry it's the management of health and well-being in the workplace which is a nebosh course which is a fairly well recognized um body examination board in the uk mm-hmm. um so that's something which i you know i've done and and within that there is an element of mental well-being but it's only you know one of the eight um um one of the eight subjects the other seven subjects will give me that opportunity to help my my perspective perspective clients and existing clients with other issues within you know within their workplace not necessarily mental health because it will bring more bring more value um so yeah it's it's something which i feel is um needs to be talked about you know more more loudly um Mm -hmm. and it can't be spoken about loudly enough and and let's look at it from a long-term strategy point of view not just a tick box exercise just because there's a pandemic Therefore, we're going to, um, you know, we're going to look at something for the short term. Um, certainly, you know, the pandemic has been a catalyst, I think, for mental wellness and mental uh, mental um, awareness. But by no means, once this pandemic is over, does that mean the mental wellness or the mental awareness is over either? And, and I did hear, disappointingly, Sharon, I did hear one CEO once say that, well, once this pandemic is over, then the mental health issues will go away. Um, <laughs> And it's kind of that education where you need to kind of, you know, it's that kind of education we need to, or, or that kind of saying we need to eradicate and the education piece um, takes over. Um, so I feel the more I can educate myself, the more I can I can help others. Well, I loved what you said, even in um, the bio of, uh, you know, just describing what your, your purpose and your mission is that it's not so much the the corporate industry the corporate places the ceos that say things like this do it for any other reason except that they don't know they don't know what to do they don't know how to address it they don't they don't know better than to you know check the box we've had our wellness week 
or our wellness month. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to incorporate this day. We'll talk about fitness. This day we'll talk about nutrition. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it all. I've watched it all, but you know, the day-to-day person that is suffering and there are many inside of a job that do not have um, a comfortable space to go to somebody and talk to somebody about what is happening with them. You know, I can't wait for the day that somebody can comfortably call in just like they call in sick. They can call in that they're having anxiety or they're having a panic attack and there'll be no shame and there'll be no, um, well, you know, got to get all the leaders together so we could talk about how we could push this one out because that is the reality of, and the fear of why people do not come to their leaders in corporate. True. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, And I think, I think there's so, so one thing I focus on and the circle I certainly focuses on is, is self-awareness um, and calling you spotty and fat. Um, I have to get the <laughs> reference in, you know, whilst I said it, I was very aware of what I was saying um, and, and how it could be perceived. Um, and, and I considered that phrase for a while after we, we you know, I, it, it was spoken about. But coming back to the point, um, a lot of this is around self-awareness and self-awareness, self-awareness of our leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, leaders, CEOs, founders are probably a classic case for people to have mental illness mm-hmm. or some sort of addiction, or, or you know, they're driven by by something. Um, but there's also that um, mentality that they're going to feed themselves last. You know, when it comes to what it is that they they you know they're they're, they're pushing for. Um, and, and that is a vulnerable position to be in, but they'll very rarely be aware of it or want to want to talk about it. Um, and, and therefore, when I when I negotiate or start talking to, to, to clients, when you know they I'm looking at the decision maker, I'm asking them what is it about themselves that they feel the circle line is going to be able to help them with. I'm not really asking them what they feel it's going to help their employees with because I know it's going to help their employees but it's just asking them what they feel it's going to help them with because this you know this really need it 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 really needs to be coming from the top it really does need to have that buy-in and it really does need to have those individuals being aware of themselves now I I was similarly on a on a a, you know I hate to um, promote it again but on on Clubhouse where there was a room about a month ago where um, there are four, four or five CEOs that were in this room talking about, um, you know, what they've done in the UK, you know, what they've done with regards to implementing initiatives within the business. Um, and th- there was a chance to ask questions. And one, one of the, what somebody asked the question of these CEOs, um, you know, what have you done lately for your own mental health? And have you taken up any of these initiatives? And it was silence. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking that um, there's an, an element of authentic, authenticity that if you're going to do something for your employees or even your family, or you've you, you got to do it for yourself, first totally. of all. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. And, and this is another point I make to, to people in, in you know, CXOs and then at C-suite. You, you know, yes, we want to create that culture. You, you want people to be able to pick up the phone and go, hey, look, it's it's really shitty here at the moment. I you know uh, the, the the 
you, can, you know, the dog's not very well, had to take it to the vet. The kids are upset about it. They haven't gone to school. You know, I'm struggling today. You know, it's helpful. Yeah. You know, this is really not, you know, I'm really anxious about things. I can't turn up and be 100% for this meeting that you need me to be at because we're going to lose the deal if we do, et cetera, et cetera. You know, if we can get into that right. environment, then, then great. But one thing I've, I kind of feel is that you don't necessarily need that person at the top of the tree to open up to the rest of their business to say, hey, you know, I see a therapist or, you know, I'm struggling because my mum's died or, or whatever it might be. Because if they don't feel comfortable enough, they don't feel comfortable enough. But it doesn't necessarily mean to say they have to stop others from getting that support. And, you know, when you have the support, which is a kind of a, a confidential conversation. So if I'm having a conversation with you and you're my you're my practitioner, it's a confidential, non-judgmental conversation, you know, between me and you. And it stays between me and you. I don't go and share it with anyone else at work. Mm -hmm. I don't go and share it potentially with with my wife or my brothers or sisters. I'm so it's what I need. But if it's been supported by my business because they're paying for it, my business are doing their part. Mm -hmm. I don't need my CEO or my founder to tell me what's going on in their lives for them to offer me the support that I need. And that's one thing you know I'm, I'm, I try to get across to, to people in their business. Just because you don't necessarily, because your your staff aren't going to share everything with you, it doesn't mean to say you have to share everything with them. But you can show up by putting the the purpose and the finance behind it, so you know you're giving them the support that they need, and they know you're giving them the support. But you don't necessarily need to keep sharing everything about each other, because totally. you know, you know that that's sometimes an issue. And I think we can create open environments, which is great. And we can have those phone calls, but there are a lot of people who still won't share personal things with other people at work and nor should they, but they know they can go to their work to get that support in different ways, which might be external. And again, this is something takes a while to explain to people, but this is something that we certainly offer in the circle line. And I know, you know, there are things I'll talk to my therapist about, which I won't necessarily go and tell Jackie about because they're about Jackie. Right. Yeah. You know, um, I love the points that you've been bringing up. Um, I just shared recently with um, somebody that I work with um, that she doesn't have to be as open as I am. That She doesn't have to uh, feel like she needs to talk yeah. about it on a podcast or in a video yeah. or with other people that if you are, are private about it, then, then that's okay. Um, although I do believe that if somebody does do that if they do share their experience it does offer an opportunity it does offer an opportunity um for somebody else to feel safe it really does Agreed. i mean um but but many many a times of course uh, i'm in full agreement with you that nobody should ever feel that they have to share their own stuff especially in corporate in order for everybody else to open up but there do you know when we talk about leadership in corporations and we talk about empathy and um, self-awareness. It does, it's interesting that you come from a recruiting background. I also recruit too, as part of what I do at the Dr. Whisperer um, and have been for many, many years. And my way of recruiting somebody, I believe is a lot different than um, many others because I'm not necessarily looking at a piece of paper 
you know, and going, oh, well, they have their yeah. MBA, they're perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I really want to tap in to see if they have what it takes to be that leader, to yeah. be somebody that uh, a staff of 300 people will feel good coming to. So I, I find it, um, I find it helpful knowing that you um, have brought also that experience to the circle line, because you really do need, if you're going to recruit, if you're going to be bringing on talent, you need to be able to find that spark with somebody else, somebody yeah. that that is willing to at least discuss personal development, sure. right? Yeah. I, I, um, I do some recruiting for a charity in the UK called the British Red Cross. It's, it's a global business, the Red Cross, right? It's, it's, you know, I'm not sure if it's, well, I'm sure it's there in the US, but, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a global charity. And I do some volunteering. I help recruit volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started doing this throughout the lockdown. Um, reason being is I have recruitment skills, so mm-hmm. I'm going to utilize them. Although I've decided to, dare I say, turn my back on a recruiting career. But you still have that skill set so that, you know, it's putting it into use. Um, so I've had a, an experience of 17 years of, I hate to say it, but you judge people on a resume, mm-hmm. on a CV. I hate to say it, totally. it, it's the way it is. So when I took up this opportunity, um, I was having the conversation with a lady who works for British Red Cross. And I said, so, you know, what, what do I need to do? She says, well, I'll ping you through the, uh, the person's contact details. You need to look them up in terms of where they live. And you've got to ensure they can get to the nearest British Red Cross um, office within 30 minutes I said okay I said what else because nothing else I was like well I need some more information that mm-hmm. you get a name you get a phone number you get an address and that is it wow so we start having these conversations uh, I start having these conversations with with um, volunteers and the area of the British Red Cross I'm recruiting into is crisis response mm-hmm. so when there's a crisis the there's the um, first line response, which will be the emergency services. And then what the British Red Cross will do in this area of the business will go and help in an emergency or a crisis, like a road traffic accident or a fire or what have you. Um, so people apply for these opportunities and then I get, you know, they get me. And we have half hour conversation about that individual, about their motivation and about what experiences and skills and thoughts they'll bring in a crisis and you have some of the most humbling conversations mm. and you know i could speak to out i could speak for hours to these people but you know you just ask the why so why mm-hmm. did you apply and the stories you hear and there is no judgment there yeah. is no cv there is just me having a conversation a telephone call with someone who i haven't met complete stranger and after 17 years of recruitment to do that it, it took me six months just to get my head around. Yeah. It was just, and it was so enlightening to, to do. And I've, I think I posted about this on LinkedIn um, shortly um, after the, the light bulb moment. And it's like, why don't we just bring this into corporate? Yeah. You know, why don't we just take that person as they are, talk about their, talk about their childhood, talk about their background, talk about who they are. It's not necessarily what deal they closed. It's not necessarily, you know, how well they did or what grades they got. It's 
look at that person as that individual and have a chat. Don't look for them to improve. We interrupt this awesome podcast to tell you about our sponsor, Thai Technology. They are a voice over IP phone company with superior voice services to businesses across the United States. So get this, Thai Technology only takes on referral customers. What does that mean? Their entire client roster is filled with satisfied customers. So why do I love them so much? Because they're the very best when it comes to excellence in customer services. So they're local here in Tampa Bay, but that doesn't mean that they can't service your amazing organization. If you mention this podcast to Thai Technology, you will get the first three months for free. So don't forget to mention the broken road to mental health in life and in business. Thanks for listening. Impress you or you look to impress them. And yeah, there's there's a lot that can be said for that. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't think we'll get there in any in, in in my in my working experience. But I think there will be, you know, there will be a time where actually we're looking at the individual as a person, not just their sort of career and uh, what it, what what skills or experience they may have um, they may have from a corporate point of view. Totally. You know, and it's funny, I talk a lot about recruiting and how, um, and through this pandemic, so many people not having a job and I've done a lot of workshops of how to get a job and and what people are are looking for. Um, And it's so true. Like most people that are hiring, they're looking at certain things on a piece of paper and pulling out some things and how we hire today is so dysfunctional. So (laughs) then you see, really have to be so creative of what you actually say on that piece of paper Mm. in order to grab the attention, grabbing the attention of a company that you would prefer to work with versus anything else. You know, I think um, if nothing else, there's been a lot of silver linings through this pandemic, Um, having the opportunity to speak openly about mental health, whether that CEO thinks it's going to go away um, after this pandemic is over. I I dare to uh, say that he's wrong about that. Um, I work with psychiatrists. I work with a lot of therapists. Um, You can't get an appointment until maybe late June. That's a problem. And that's because there are so many more people coming out and um, and, and willing to, to discuss the issues at hand. So having, you know, here in the States, we have EAP counselors, you know, employee assistance program. I don't know if you you have that in the UK, but that's certainly been a wonderful, um, you know, spot to position to bring on into a corporation. You know, you have to have somebody, it doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be human resources. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we have EAPs in the UK. Um, that they 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 do serve a purpose um mm. and we can work with them certainly at the circle line the 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 only concern the concern i have with the aps is that and i've spoken to a few people about this in fact i spoke to somebody in hr about this um eaps are there they're great they're very cost effective don't get me wrong but they are reactive. They're there when there's a problem. There's they're, they're hard to find. There's a number in a handbook somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time you've called an EAP, you probably needed help mm-hmm. prior. Um, and there's almost like a qualification process to go through before they maybe will give you help, which kind of 
you know, doesn't really sit well with me. And the person I was speaking with in HR, she felt that, and this was her going through her EAP in her own company. Mm. And it was a case of, I phoned once, I got through to somebody who sounded like they were in a call center. Um, this was before lockdown. Mm-hmm. And she said, and it was almost as if I didn't qualify to get help. Mm. And I was kind of like, right, okay. I said, did you phone again? She goes, I did, which I commended her for. And I said, and what happened? She goes, well, I didn't find it very useful. They didn't really offer me any help. Now, I don't want to sort of diminish the role of, a, of an EAP, obviously, because they serve a, they serve a purpose. But the reason why I'm mentioning it is that if we talk to somebody who's at the top table and who's making a decision on an EAP, the first question I ask them is, have you used your EAP? 100% no. Across the board, 100%. Well, why would you employ that EAP if you're not going to use it? But it's okay. It's okay for your staff, but it's not okay for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a case of looking at the purpose behind it and, mm-hmm. and why you're implementing it. You do need additional services from mental health first aid if we're talking about that certainly but for me and for the circle line a lot of this needs to be that proactive approach not the reactive approach yes we offer that as a business of course we have counselors but there needs to be looking at the best way to sustain mental health of a workforce is that workforce to be able to sustain their own mental health Mm-hmm. over a period of long period of time not just six months not just 12 months as you will know from a therapy point of view this is an ongoing work on inner work on yourself and that needs to be proactive as opposed to you know reactive we, we, we past yeah. the point sure i mean we you know i've had two experiences of, of course with eap one saved my life worked for my mm-hmm. dad um and thank god for him yeah. um but he was you know it's like the jumping off point I, I agree. I think that there needs, first of all, the term is even kind of watered down. EAP feels like that other, it's in like your employee handbook that you get. Yeah. You have these that nobody really knows about. I can't tell yeah. you how many times I've spoken at corporate events. Um, and until I come to speak, they talk about the mental health benefits that the company provides, but yeah. nobody knew about it before because it's kind of hidden in the policies, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, it definitely, well, we need to edit, we need everything that is more 2021, you know, um, more innovative, more discussions along um, what we've been talking about with self-awareness and yeah. EQ, um, and, and more of a daily option, more of, you know, just uh, a, an outlet of something that doesn't seem so rigid, doesn't seem so, dare I say, corporate. The, 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 the you know, you mentioned the term EAP. I mean, I, I even struggle with the term mental health first aider. I mean, mm. it's already implement, indicating there's an issue. It's the first aider, first aid. You're there on, you know, you know, if you if you're employing or if you're, you know, look, you're going to the mental health first aider. You're assuming there's something wrong. You know, right. you've already got that. I've got to go to that person. You know, I'd much prefer mental wellness partner. Or, or something along those lines that it's it's yes it's more warm and fluffy but it's representing what it actually you know what actually is that person there, there to do and I think language is important you know mm-hmm. one thing that I've had many discussions with and we've had many discussions in our business about it so the one the nice thing about being part of a startup is that you get an influence you get a voice um, and we're a teal organization uh, which there's no hierarchy even our founder doesn't like to be called a founder Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, because she has that, unfortunately, that title 
opens doors, there I say, for her to talk to other people in Fountain. Mm -hmm. However, you know, we're a two-little organisation where it's pretty much we all have a voice. And the one thing we've spoken about a lot is, you know, we sell therapy. Okay, we we there's one thing we we offer affordable, um, flexible access to practitioners, um, and you use the word therapy and barriers go up. Mm -hmm. Use the word coaching or training, mm -hmm. not a problem. In fact, even if you use the term CBT in the UK, cognitive behavioral therapy, even that's of on you know good to talk about. People will be happy to talk to you about that. But as soon, although the T stands for therapy. So as soon as you sort of bring in that connotation of the word therapy, people think something's wrong. Totally. And again, we have these conversations about what are we classing ourselves as? Do we call ourselves mental health business or are we mental awareness or mental wellness? And again, there's loads of debates around when somebody says mental health, they actually in this country see it as a negative mm -hmm. as opposed to we all have mental health. This country too. <laughs> will we burn out it's a continuum we're all on that continuum mm -hmm. there's burns out on the far left if we're looking at it as a bad place to be a mental and an and, and illness or to call it an illness and there's thriving on on the right which is you know where we want to get people to get to and there's everything in between but if somebody says are you well you generally say yeah you think physically you're you're well right mm -hmm. yeah. um similarly with mental health but the, the thing being is that you mention mental health and people think you're sick. Yes, um, yes. You, and you bring up another great point. I mean, I had the, I have this conversation a lot. I, I belong to um, the Global Wellness Institute and I'm constantly on these um, summits with them and, and a, a lot of conversations surrounding mental health. And they like to use the term mental wellness, you know, and they're really trying to get from the audience across the globe if this is the word that we can really, it's really just about what can we capitalize on? Let's be real. You know, yeah. when it comes to like the spa industry or whatever, if we put now mental wellness, great. Maybe you think about, if you think about your wife, Stuart, and, and myself included in this, if when I am in those phases of depression and darkness, I do not associate with the word mental wellness. Yeah. I don't, and I don't want to be associated with mental illness. Yeah. Right. Cause I don't want you to think I'm crazy. Yeah. So, um, you're right. And, and the, the, the language is so important. I remember putting my book, um, in front of a, a family member one day and because my name is on it, I thought she'd be excited. <laughs> she shared the last name <laughs> and, yeah. um, and she was, she took the book and she turned it over because it says the broken road to mental health. She didn't, why are you giving this to me? There's nothing wrong with me. There's such, um, there's such a, a negative vibe and it is yeah. important, which is great. And that is so great that you're part of a startup where you all can have this conversation because I don't think there's really one answer. I, um, I post a lot about going to therapy. Yeah. I'm not in crisis. No. But every time somebody find oh you're in therapy are you okay i'm great actually but i would like to stay this way so you yeah. know trying to shift the conversation around you know therapy is a bad thing it is very difficult so you're so right you know a coach a life coach um, yeah. a, a partner you know somebody that um it is because it's going to take years and years to um undo all of the stigma that has been brought upon sure. these words i mean i mean therapy is is your therapist or your practitioner, whatever you want to call it, is, is somebody who's trained um, 
for a long, long time. He's very, very intelligent and very, very in tuned. Um, and he's somebody that, you know, from, you know, you jump onto our website and I think you, you'll, you'll see terms like unlock your potential or fulfill your potential um, because it's looking at it from a pro proactive point of view and unlocking things. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, I'll tell you a story. I'm going to bore you with this a little bit, unfortunately. I like stories. So when I decided, okay, workplace well-being is where I want to be. I started networking in this area. And um, Pip, who's the founder of the Circle Line, was on a webinar, which I was on. And being a recruiter, I connected with her through LinkedIn. Um, and we had pleasantry conversation. And she said, hey, look, we're looking at somebody who could come in and, and potentially help. You know, we're, this is what we're doing. Would this interest you? And we kind of had conversations and we said, oh, OK. So as a recruiter, of course, the advice I've been giving all these years is you've got to do a homework on a you know an employee or employer before you sort of jump in so so i did so i said look can i have a session with a therapist or a practitioner from a purely business point of view so i can understand how we promote what is i'm getting into etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh, so you know we set that up and you know I, I jump onto a session which is similar to this it's through it's not through zoom or, or, or microsoft teams it's through our own platform and i'm going to get this in there because we've spent money on building this um where nothing is recorded um mm -hmm. and and kept so there's no gdpr you know um, aspect to it you have a conversation you have that attachment and then it's gone mm -hmm. um so that's pretty critical and quite crucial sure. we find anyway um so it was purely business. Yeah, I was like, why would you, you know, why would somebody want a therapist? You know, what, what's the benefit from it? How would you go about promoting this and all this? You know, and I was really, and at the end, um, the, the uh, therapist said to me, she said, so sure, you know, you've obviously, you know, got involved in the circle line for a reason. She goes, I'd really love to, to be able to talk to you about it one day. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, I wasn't going to have any of it. I was, I was typical white mid forties, kind of guy parents brought up during the war you know kind of it's it's emotional constipation right it's <laughs> right <laughs> you know it's 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 that typical stiff upper lip brit type of um, mentality anyway you start getting involved you know I, I i get a contract i think okay we're going to do this and it starts playing on my mind i thought you know what why don't i book in for a session i'll pay you know, so I went through the process again and got my email and got my text message and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, I log in and there's my um, there's my therapist and there's me. And she's thanked me for coming back. And she said, sorry, I'm just going to be um, attacked by a cat. Hold on. <laughs> just at the crucial point of the story. Here we go. And um, so, you know, she thanks me for coming back. And she said, so what would you like to talk about? And a typical response was, well, I don't know, you told me to be here, you know, <laughs> kind of thing, you know, defenses are up. Mm -hmm. And she said, okay, well, do you want to talk about your childhood or would you like to talk about present day? And my response was, well, I had a happy childhood, so why don't we talk about present day? So which I thought was a fairly reasonable answer to give. Mm -hmm. One question. And she's, she's got me. She's, you know, I've answered it. And the question, as, as I said, what, what do you want to talk about today? And I said, well, yeah, my answer was I had a happy childhood. So why don't we talk about present day? She said, okay, two things. If you had a happy childhood, why do you not want to talk about it? It makes you, it makes you the man you are today. Mm. 
And if you've got a happy childhood over here and you don't want to talk about it, but you do want to talk about present day, that makes me think there's something not quite right with present day because you've shown up to talk to me and you want now to, you've told me you want to talk about present day. So what's going on? Mm. And I kind of, as I say, I had no defense from just one question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we spoke about uh, what's going on present day, obviously with, with Jackie, how that might have an effect on me further on down the line. Um, you know, what is it, you know, I, I want to get from work. What is it I want to get from um, relationships and things like that. And that was just a very gen- generic conversation. Finished the conversation, did my 50 minutes. For the next two weeks, all I thought about was my happy childhood. And it started bringing out conversations and thoughts in me that I didn't have. So I sat down with my wife and, you know, she said, you know, throughout the period, she's, you know, she was talking about things. And I'm one of four children. Um, I'm third out of fourth. Um, Yeah, I'm third out of fourth. I have a sister who is exactly three years older than me. And then I have a brother who's 22 months older than me. Mm-hmm. Irish Roman Catholic mum. Mm-hmm. You know, she's had three children pretty much in three years. Mm-hmm. So I have a strong attachment to my brother and to my sister. And in fact, to my brother, I shared a bedroom with him mm-hmm. until I was the age of 20 before I went off to university. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went yeah. to the same school as him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's that year or year and a half older than me. Probably unaware to me at the time, he probably protected me at school purely because he was just older and I had an older brother at school. We used to wake up. I used to get up in the morning. He was there. I used to go to school with him. I then have school. And then, you know, it sort of dawned on me that when I met my wife, when I was 17 and she was 16, she wasn't my wife then, obviously. But when I met her, um, we liked each other or I liked her. I eventually fell in love with her. She made me feel good. And there was security. And I thought, well, I'm not going to let go of that. Mm -hmm. and we're 30 years on now Mm. and you kind of look at it you can understand why I've got I'm I'm now married to the person I'm married to when you look back over it and then we had the conversation around Jackie's background totally the opposite is there's there's you know and and that's where there's huge lack of security and now you look at why she's in the situation or the 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 way the the illness has the mental illness has come from and I think I kind of tried to um, show this at uh, when, when we had the, the clubhouse with TJ. Were there any sort of indicators and predictors going back? And when we look back, we look at things that happened that we thought were just normal, but hey, they were they were big issues that are now coming out in 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 terms of very insecure, very anxious, depressed, no attachment, very little attachment, being abandoned, and. Do you know what, Sharon? It came from one question from, you know, from a from a therapist, which I went into just saying, hey, I'm prepared to talk about something. I don't know what it was I was prepared to talk about. And since then, I found it quite enlightening. I found it a little bit addictive that, you know, I'm talking about myself. It's um, good, like, right? It's well, good. Whether it's selfish or narcissistic, I don't know. But I, I, find, I find that um, I'm not diagnosed with any mental illness. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I will be, but yeah, of course there's vicarious trauma from what I see with, with, you know, with my wife or what happens in the world. And I'm sure there's going to be bereavements. You know, I've mentioned I'm close to my family. 
you know, they're going to die if I'm still alive. They're, I'm going to see them die. I'm going to have to go through that. And where I want to be is mentally ready, for, not even ready for it. I know myself. I know what my feelings are going to be and how I'm going to be around that. Um, so therefore, yeah, every two or three weeks I show up, I chat to a therapist. She chats to me. She doesn't judge me. She says things and I just go, whoa, yeah. And, you know, and, and to me, that's fulfilling potential. It's fulfilling that's life. Amazing. That isn't, you know. That's that what it should be. You know, um, uh, before we started this podcast, I, I talked about that book, um, Lost Connections by Johan Hari. I, I couldn't talk about it enough. I get no residuals from him, although I should. <laughs> um, but because it is just that, it is, I feel like all of us, we've all been hit with little baby traumas throughout our whole life that we just, yeah. we just keep going, you know, just keep touching, yeah. right. And yeah. especially, I mean, being raised in the world that we were raised, you know, it's like the strong Irish, stubborn, you know, religious, with a bit of a, a twinge of uh, sense of humor to make sure, you know, we don't pay any attention to any of the pain. And yeah. then we make sure that we keep all of that pain underneath a nice big bed that nobody else talks about. So, you know, communication is big. Um, connection is even bigger. And um, having these, you know, thorough conversations about all of us thinking that we had a happy childhood, not to say that you didn't, not to say that I didn't, but we yeah. all face things that we just like compare to others. I don't know if you grew up in a household like this, but anytime I felt something, I had to learn about the starving children in Ethiopia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 my, my mom used to, um, so she used to cook liver risotto. Okay. Mm -hmm. With big chunky onions. And I couldn't stand it. And we, I would, I'd have to sit at the table until I finished it. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't eat them. I yeah. wouldn't eat them. And, and, and we're talking teenage years. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes before that. And honestly, I'd sit there crying and I just wouldn't eat them. Yeah. And I'd sit there for two or three hours. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, and, and, it, and it was like that. And, and it was kind of, you know, there's no reason why, there's no, why won't you eat them? Well, I don't like them kind of thing. But it was, mm -hmm. you will do this. And that's the mentality. Um, and yeah, they will brush it under the carpet. Yeah. I think, but if I think if I look at my family and you know not not all comparing or anything along those lines, you know when I when obviously what's happened with with um, with my wife, they've been very supportive and open to that. My what my sister, um, actually I haven't I, I won't say anything about my sister because I haven't asked her for for her permission, um, so I better not say anything. But yeah, I think we've we've had transgressions, shall we say, in the past. Sure. You know, there's, there's so much to reveal, right? More will be revealed. And that's why it is so good. And listen, nothing hits me harder in the heart when I hear a man, I'm having the courage to talk to somebody else about things that might be unsettling, you know, because it's a lot easier for a woman. We're, we're pretty known for, you know, running our mouths sometimes and talking about our feelings. Um, a good thing. It is a good thing. It is and a good need, thing. We need more men to do the same because, um, getting it out is, is just one of the pieces of, uh, the solutions to health and wellness. But with that, Stuart, it was such a pleasure to talk to you today. If we don't okay. stop now, we'll bore the attention deficit yeah. disorders that are out there listening to yeah, 85 sure podcasts and 30 million clubhouses. But um, it was such a pleasure, Stuart. And we'll have okay. all the information um, for everybody to check out Circle Line. Yeah. I think it's wonderful 
that you're an ambassador to this company. And um, I wish you and your lovely wife, Jackie, well, health and wellness and throughout yeah. this year. Take care. Excellent. Love Thanks. to talk to you. Thanks, Sharon. Bye-bye. Bye. Don't forget to check out Thai Technology. Anyone that mentions this podcast or the Facebook show will receive three free months of service. T-I-E Technology. Check them out. Thank you.